you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. It's Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. Thechrisvossshow.com. Welcome to the big show. My family and friends, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, uh, everyone in the giant circus tent of the sky that we have for the uh, 14 years, 1,500 episodes are going on. I think we hit the uh, annual uh, review, uh, I think the end of September or August. Welcome to the big show, my family and friends. We certainly appreciate you guys coming by. We're going to talk to a brilliant novelist about his amazing new book that is hot off the shelves. It's so hot, I had to use those special nuclear gloves when they sent it to me because it's just that hot. You know, the shiny ones, with the they look kind of aluminum. Anyway, people are like, we don't do nuclear, Chris. We just listen to a podcast. What the fuck are you going on about? Uh, so anyway, guys, we're going to be talking to him about this amazing new book that just came out August 1st. In the meantime, as always, we have to guilt and shame you to refer the show to your family, friends, and relatives. Uh, and, you know, if you haven't either, I mean... Why Why not? Why are you holding out on us, man? Why you got to be like that? Go to goodreads.com forward slash Chris Voss, youtube.com forward slash Chris Voss, linkedin.com forward slash Chris Voss. Holy crap, that LinkedIn newsletter grows like a weed. Every time I go over there, I'm like, why do people keep subscribing to this thing? Damn it. It's like up to like six or 7,000 now or something. I can't even keep up with it. Uh, so uh, for your family, friends, relatives, go to Goodreads or go to iTunes. And give us a five-star review over there as well. He is the author of the amazing new book. Came out August 1st. Like I said, it's so damn hot. I'm still waiting for it to cool. It might take 10,000 years the way this book is hot. Uh, it's called The Men Can't Be Saved, a novel. Uh, and he joins us on the show to talk to us about his latest book, Ben Perkert is on the show with us today, uh, and he's going to be talking to us about his latest book as well. I'm just having a Monday here, I guess. Uh, his writing has appeared in The New Yorker, The Nation, Poetry, uh, Plowshares, Kenyon Review, Tin House, and elsewhere. His poetry collection, For the Love of Endings, was named one of Adroit's best poetry books of the year he holds degrees from harvard and nyu we'll ask him about his mba no i'm just kidding uh and where he was a new york times fellow he is the editor of backdraft a guernica do i have that pronounced right ben guernica guernica i'm having a monday man uh, what can I do? Uh, interview series focused on revision and creative processes. Uh, he teaches creative writing at Rutgers and uh, all that good stuff. Welcome to show, Ben. How are you? Chris, how are you? I am doing good other than, you know, just trying to pronounce everything correctly. You know, they give me two days off on the weekend. Uh, they let me free you my little podcast cage here. And uh, I come back and I'm like, uh, what do I do with this thing? Again, after 14 years, you think I know better. So give us your .com so people can find you on the interwebs, please. Ben Perkert, B-E-N-P is in Peter, U-R-K-E-R-T, and I'm on Twitter. There you go. Uh, so what motivated you want to write this book? So my first job out of college, I was working as a copywriter, tagline copywriter at a branding agency. Mm -hmm. And the first week I started, the show Mad Men debuted. Did you watch that mm -hmm. show? Uh, a little bit, too. A little bit. Okay. Well, I, I, I loved it. Partially, I loved it because... 
it was a way of translating the work that we did at the agency to folks who didn't know anything about that world, right? If you're not in branding and advertising, you don't really know what it's all about. And Mad Men was a, a lens into it, but it was the wrong decade. The show you know, was taking place in the 1960s. I thought it'd be interesting to write a novel about what that world looks like today. So it's set in a, a New York City agency and it's loosely based on my own experience there. Do they still call it Madison Avenue and the Big Four, or am I just really old from the '90s and '80s? Well, Matt, I mean, Mad Men is the you know is from Madison Avenue, yeah. um, but now the the agencies have largely scattered. I mean, they're all yeah. over the city. Yeah, it's it's gone now. So you entitled the book uh, "The Men Can't Be Saved." Uh, mm -hmm. So why did you choose that title? Well, you know, for, for folks who haven't had a chance to read it yet, um, you'll see that it comes into play in a lot of different ways in the book. Mm -hmm. um, my main character, one of his clients, he's not really happy about getting assigned to this nonprofit prostate cancer research organization. He'd much rather have like a Coca-Cola branding account or an American Airlines, like a big sexy brand. He gets staffed yeah. on the prostate cancer nonprofit brand that no one else wants to work on. I need to come up with a jingle for that one. Well, that, that's sort of his job, you know, is to come up with, with a, a slogan or a tagline. Um, yeah. But uh, in talking to the, the folks at the Prostate Cancer Research Organization, they start talking about survival rates with cancer, and they explain that not all men can be saved and why. So there, there's like a, a literal reason why the title comes into play. Yeah. But the, the bigger factor with the title is my main character makes a lot of bad decisions. Uh, and there, there are other men in the book who also make a lot of bad decisions. And so Did you base this character on me? Yeah, it's Chris Voss. It's, it's, it's not even fiction. It's just a, it's an Damn account it. of your life. Damn it. I told you not to tell people. Well, you know, you didn't, well, you can edit this, right? You oh, can take okay, that sure. out. Yeah, yeah, we'll take that out. Um, but yeah, so, so the question is, you know, similar to the show Mad Men, you've got these male characters behaving badly. Can they be redeemed? Can they be salvaged? Is, is one of the questions of the novel. There you go. And there's some spirituality uh, woven in here between uh, the, the Kabbalah and Orthodox uh, rabbis and different things. Uh, is it like, is it set in New York or uh, another place? Yeah, so, I, so this is not a big spoiler. It happens early on. My main character gets laid off. So this mm -hmm. job that means everything to him, he identifies himself as a, as a tagline copywriter, gets taken away. Mm. And in effect, he has to rebrand himself because what mm. is he going to do now with his life once he loses that job? So for him, the fact that he's Jewish, uh, you know, that, that's one of the things that he can't ever lose, right? It's not going to be taken yeah. away from him. So he goes on a spiritual journey related to that to find himself. Ah, maybe make less mistakes, maybe. I don't know. Can't give away the middle and ending, of course, of the book but uh, with novels. But uh, uh, it, it's very interesting. Um, is it, does it maybe have a feel, a little bit of a American Psycho, some of the, you know, some of the tense scenes in the office there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's got, I mean, it's funny, right? You write, you write the book um, without mm -hmm. comps in mind, and then mm -hmm. readers and editors will say, oh, it reminds me of, you know, American Psycho, or it reminds me a little bit of Catcher in the Rye, or Fleischman is in Trouble, or, you know, but it, each, each book is its own thing, or at least strives to be. There you go. Uh, and, uh, yeah, Esquire called it a 21st century Catcher in the Rye. Uh, so there you go. 
And, uh, and, and they even said uh, the genius worship and toxic masculinity is still dominating the advertising world today. I guess, does it still dominate? Yeah, I guess I haven't gotten that memo. Um, so uh, it, it, there's some comedy, I think, or some levity in the book, uh, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, listen, my character on the one hand is a tragic figure. He loses his job in large part because of hubris, right? He thinks he's the best copywriter on earth. <laughs> And he's, he's certainly not. So um, it's sort of a tragic downfall. But he's also a comedic character, too. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I tend to love books, TV, movies that are uh, dark comedies, like a mm-hmm. show like Succession that is, you know, what is Succession? Is it a drama? Is it a comedy? It's a little bit of both. That tends to be what appeals to me. So I think that, you know, folks are thinking about maybe reading the book. That's something to, to keep in mind. There you go. Uh, it, it, uh, let's see. The New York Times uh, uh, reviewed it. Said I laugh more times than I can count. So that's that's a great review. Um, to to write something that uh, you know is interesting, engaging, and uh, drives the reader, but also is funny and enlightening. And you know, it's not it's not totally dark. Uh, would do you think it would parallel a bit? I was talking with someone about Fight Club today, and Fight Club was kind of a great men's movie and great men's book. When if you read the book, the book's better than the movie. Um, but uh, something along those lines, maybe. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's very different than Fight Club, but yeah. from, it's been a, when did Fight Club come out? Maybe like in the ninety five, three, yeah. something like yeah. that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I've or, seen it. I mean, I, I watched it when it came out. I'm not sure if I've seen it since, but. Um, you know, listen, there, there's, there's a big fight scene. It's not giving too much away, but there's a big fight scene mm-hmm. at the end of my book, and the whole novel's been building toward it. Oh, really? And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm interested in the book, but also in life, the way in which men have relationships with each other. And mm-hmm. oftentimes, the only way for male relationships um, to be physical is to be violent. And, uh, you know, for my character, I, I think... In many ways, you know, he wishes for intimacy from some of the other male characters in the book. But the only mm-hmm. way he knows is, is through a kind of physical violence. Mm-hmm. So is it close to Fight Club? Not really. But that was my attempt yeah. to sort of thread the needle for you. I think what I was trying to imply was, and I did it poorly, was, was that it was, you know, Fight Club was kind of a state on manhood and the current state of manhood. And, yep. and to correct myself, it came out in 1993. And so there's a lot of commentary about manhood. And I think... Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm just going off the notes here, but you know, you you peel back the layers of the male ego, evidently uh, revealing what's rotten, what can be redeemed, uh, and different things. And, and it might be some different statements on you know where men are today, maybe. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. absolutely. There you go. There you go. It's modern day. F- I want, I, I'm not going to put that moniker on. <laughs> it's a modern It's a mixture of all of it put together in a blend, and of course, the best of, and of course, your take on it as well uh, that makes it so great uh what what uh, uh how did you do the character development uh i mean you've got some judaism in there uh it, uh what, what made you pick some of the characters in there and, and put some of the contents in there yeah it's a good question i i didn't spend a lot of time mapping out the book before i started it what mm-hmm. i wanted to begin with was a voice my background is not really in fiction, it's in poetry. So this is my first time oh. writing a novel, but I did spend 10 years working on it. And I, you know, it wasn't, there's a rabbi who's a main character towards the end of the book, but I didn't start the book thinking, ooh, you know, I'm going to have this rabbi come in on the 20th chapter or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, I tried to just get the voice of my character right. And mm-hmm. then 
if you raise a character right, sort of like if you raise a kid right, they grow up and then they meet people and they develop their own relationships. So I, I wanted it to be organic in that way. I wanted the characters in, in, on some level to develop themselves. There you go. And and so how long have you been writing poetry for? Tell us a little bit about your history and your background and your upbringing and, and what got you to a point of, you know, d- developing a lot of different things that you've done and now you've got a novel. Yeah, sure. So I, I had English teach. I was lucky. I had great English teachers who mm. made me want to be a writer, you know, told me that if I wanted to be a writer, what I had to do was read more. So mm. just, you know, burying myself in, in books as much as I could. And I had a a teacher who loved poetry and the way that she loved poetry made me love poetry. So when I got to college, I knew that that's what I wanted to study. I studied English specifically focusing on poetry. And then senior year, the question was what job was I going to get? Right. Because it's not a lot of paid poet positions out there in the world. Mm -hmm. And I had a, a great professor who said, you know, why don't you try copywriting? Why don't you try writing taglines for an agency? It's sort of like poetry. It'll pay you better. And you can decide if, if you're going to be happy doing that or if you want to do something else. So that, that's how I ended up at the agency. There you go. And, I mean, you develop great copywriting skills in the agency. You have to be creative. You know, of course, nowadays, everyone's yeah. just using chat TPT. I mean, no, they're not. But <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder if they are. I, Some, I, yeah. A lot of copywriters are, but I, my understanding is the big firms have banned it. Mm. I don't know. Or some yeah. big firms have banned it. They're like, no, we want, you know, because they're you know, owning ideas and copyright and different things. There are a lot of issues that come around that. Yep. But uh, so you feel that uh, in what ways do you feel that your, your uh, background in copywriting and poetry really kind of help you develop the novels you were writing as you're writing, you're sitting there going, Oh man, this really, this really helped me put this to paper or maybe frame certain situations and things like that, or tell stories. I think it helped and it hurt being a mm-hmm. poet you are trained to be really laser focused on language at the, at the level of the word, at the mm-hmm. level of the syllable. You got to get the music right. You got to get the imagery ah. right. So a lot of my favorite novels are written by former poets because they mm-hmm. just, you, you oftentimes, not always, but you oftentimes feel that level of care with mm-hmm. each sentence. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I think it hurt me tremendously because it made me slow. I mean, it took me like a decade, right? You know, I'm, I'm, wow. I'm trying to chisel like a pretty big sculpture, but I've got like a pretty tiny screwdriver. You know, my mm-hmm. tools, my toolbox is for smaller scale work usually. So um, I'd like to think it helped, but it also, it, it took a lot longer. And also mm-hmm. I should say as a poet, you know, you're not learning about things like plot or character. So all mm-hmm. of that was stuff that I had to teach myself. There you go. And how to develop and stuff. We've had some great poets on the show. Uh, I know what, you know, one of the things you do is you're, you're dealing with an economy of words where they have to be very short mm-hmm. when you're doing writing poetry, I imagine. And, and then, you know, when you're writing a book, you know, it's kind of like long form and yeah. you can, of course, you can, of course, have maybe some more freedom, but when you're used to probably, you know, having that concise communication and economy of trying to do it, uh, I, I imagine that can be a challenge to make those gear switches, but yeah. I mean, 10 years of training, you know, there you are, here you are, yeah, uh, 10, 10 years of flailing. And then you end <laughs> up, you know, I was trying to frame it, you know, so it sounded good training, but, uh, uh, we'll go with your words, uh, because you are the poet. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, what, uh, anything in the future? Is there another book you've got cooking? Some of our novelists have always got something on the fires. 
Yeah, yeah, writing writing poems. So hopefully I'll put out a, a poetry collection and then mm-hmm. starting a new novel. But at the very beginning, it's at that stage yet where I don't I don't want to even talk about it because I don't know if I have anything. But um, you know, I, I got to keep writing. That's what I love to do. So yeah, writing's an amazing sport. Is sport yeah. the right word? Um, I just threw that out there, but I, I should probably think of it more as a sport, but it's, it's an amazing thing. And yeah, it, when you keep writing and you write every day and you focus on writing, it makes all the difference. I mean, that was how I got my book written. I it was just, I, 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 for 10 years I was trying to get it written. And then my friends and I over COVID, we, we formed a little, uh, accountability group. Hmm. And we said, we're going to write a day and whoever doesn't, I don't know, gets their knuckles smashed or something. Uh, and uh, we didn't really have a thing, but you know, we just, I was more physical violence. You're yeah, more physical. It's semantic. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I'm kind of alpha male-ish. Uh, so, uh, you know, we, it's just peer pressure, right? So we, uh, so we did that and, and just by doing that and building that muscle and uh, calisthenics, if you will, uh, made it so it just finally caught fire on me after a month or two, and I just started writing more and more. I was like, "Fuck this hour bullshit! Let's start this. This thing's cooking." And yeah. uh, so I, I, I want to encourage people that are out there who want to write, who want to write books and stuff, and and do things like you do. Um, you know, write every day, read every day, stick with it. You know, I try and consume a hundred books a year. I think probably next year we'll probably go to more. Um, you know, it's such a it's such a great mind. Uh, gymnasium. Hmm. I'm clearly not a poet. <laughs> well, you're into sports. Ben's, Ben's sitting here going, I could think of better words. <laughs> I would never. Did you say mind gymnasium? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, like I see it. I get it. Do I have potential me. as a poet? <laughs> Everyone has potential as a poet. Uh, I flunk second grade, Ben. That's the callback joke we use on the show. Uh, so, Ben, anything more you want to tease out on the novel before we go? Oof. Uh, anything to tease out. Well, I'll just say that um, one of the things that's been fun sitting where I sit with this gigantic calendar behind me <laughs> is that, um, you know, I get to see reader reactions and mm-hmm. I've gotten all right. I mean, the book just came out, but already I'm starting to get notes and see comments and reviews where some people love to root for this character. They find him very charming and endearing and others are really enjoying hating him and rooting against him. Really? And, and to me, that, that almost feels like I've done my job, right? Because I want, I, I sort of was aiming to hit that sweet spot where you would be right on the fence. I love that kind of a Kendall Roy from Succession sort of character where you're unclear if you're rooting for or against. So I don't know if that sounds appealing to your listeners, but that's, that was sort of the thought process. That's what we hear a lot from novelists, that their readers sometimes will either define or, or fill in the blanks, or sometimes, you know, it's like, it's like a song. They just kind of add whatever their take is, you know, mm-hmm. like, like everyone knows uh, Stairway to Heaven is a song about uh, Jimi Hendrix getting killed by Nixon. Everybody knows that, but some people don't. Uh, I'm just making shit up. Uh, I convinced That's someone of that one time. <laughs> I convinced someone of that one time. Uh, my one of my secretaries, and we built a fake web page that uh, said that that was the true symbolism behind the story, and she bought it. So um, <laughs> it's an old story, but yeah, it's it's interesting how they'll define. In fact, I think I had one novelist on the show, and she's like, "I didn't realize that my character was an alcoholic until all of my readers told me." Yep. Yep. <laughs> I was like, "Wow. Okay. Well." 
There you go. Uh, so you're on that beautiful journey, writing novels and opening up this world. And, uh, and I think I just will look forward to you kicking ass some more and doing great things. Chris, I appreciate it. Get home safe. There you go. Uh, give us a .com so people can find you on the interweb, sir. Sure. Ben, and then my last name is Perkert, P is in Peter, U-R-K-E-R-T.com, or you could follow Ben Perkert at Twitter. There you go. Uh, order up the books, folks, wherever fine books are sold. The Men Can't Be Saved, a novel. It's not about me, but it probably could be because I can't be saved. Uh, I've heard from the religious people, and they said, no, we're not taking you. They said, you. no, go. We're not, we're not saving you either. So, oh, no. uh, or, or uh, folks, Hot Off the Presses, be the first one to read it, so that way you're ready for this next book that comes out in its next poetry. Uh, thanks for, my, for tuning in. Go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss, youtube.com, Fortress Chris Foss, linkedin.com, Fortress Chris Foss, and all the great places on the internet. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe, and we'll see you next time.